Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. If you can find yourself somewhere to sit, that would be great, and we're going to make a start. My name's Helen, and I'm going to be your host this morning. Really great to see uh, people coming in smiling, chatting to each other. Uh, lots of familiar faces, some visitors. You are so welcome if you're a visitor this morning. Hope you really enjoy our time together. And some faces from the past, too, I see, that lots of you won't know, but I do, because I've been here a long time. So welcome. Lovely to see you. If you have a contribution this morning, as you can tell, I'm using the microphone so you can hear me over the hubbub. If you have a uh, Bible reading, a prayer, a prophecy, a tongue, anything that you'd like to share, then please pop to the front and see Sean and I, and we will find a moment for you to share that during our meeting. But please come and use the microphone. We do record our Sunday morning meetings that then go on our website for you to listen to, and if you're not using the microphone, then people listening at another time are going to miss out on whatever you share and we wouldn't want them to do that so please come and use the microphone or someone might run up to you with a microphone and stick it under your chin without you knowing so watch out you have been warned children morning children morning thanks Jules Jules this morning is going to be um, alongside Sue over here doing signing we're going to have Jules over here doing some actions we love um, having Sue and all our visitors who uh, really benefit from the signing on this side. But over this side, children, you're more than welcome to come and join Jules and the families down here. She's going to be doing some actions to um, at least one of the songs uh, to help you to worship this morning. And uh, families too, if you've got children going downstairs, the children will be following up that song downstairs this morning as part of their time together and um, having a bit more thinking about how we've worshipped upstairs this morning. Right, I'm going to hand over to Nathan. Nathan's leading worship, Andrew's preaching in a little while, uh, Emma's going to be praying, and Sean is responsible elder. I hope you got all that. <laughs> I'll test you at the end. Right, over to Nathan. Wonderful. Morning, everyone. Most importantly, God is here, which is great. Why don't we stand to our feet? I've just been reading this book called Psalms for the Saturated Soul, and uh, I came across this this last week and uh, found it very provoking. The enemy would love to convince us that what we do with our bodies has no effect on our souls, but God has created the body and soul to be connected. Therefore, when I kneel to pray or raise my hands in worship, the posture of my body affects my soul. I've found that kneeling and worship and prayer helps a great deal if I'm wrestling between God's will and my own. The posture of my body affects the posture of my soul. If I'm feeling downcast, I don't suppress that feeling, but I find that lifting my hands in worship is far better for me than folding my arms or thrusting them deep into my pockets. What we do externally impacts who we are internally. As we come and worship this morning, let's use our bodies to connect with our soul, to praise God, to give Him the glory that He deserves. Let's enjoy God together this morning. Lord, You are good and Your mercy endureth forever. Lord, You are good and Your mercy endureth forever. 
generation to generation, we worship you.
really good to be here and you just feel God's presence straight away. Um, I was on my way home from work on, uh, on Wednesday and the clouds were above me and they were dark but to the sides of the clouds there was blue sky. Now I don't know about you but I've got to the stage in my life where I'm on lists and at the moment I'm on two lists for two hips, one after the other and then I'm on another list for a new operation for my prostate. Now they're quite heavy clouds. The heavy clouds just reminded me of them. But God gave me a word. Um, I've got to read my word. The next, the next day. Here on earth, we have many troubles, many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. And... The clouds were heavy, but the blue sky was magnificent. And as you look above, God said, look above the clouds, look to the blue sky, look to God, look to Jesus, and he will carry you through, because he has overcome the world. And we're only here for a brief time, but we've got such a lot to look forward to in heaven. And we're going to have new bodies, praise God. <laughs> Don't don't go through this on your own okay if you're feeling heavy come forward ask someone to pray for you and God will show you the blue sky that's great thanks Chris let's sing that again oh God you're so running after, it's running after me, 
of the goodness of God. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. Father God, thank you that in this room there are stories after stories after stories of your faithfulness and goodness through the highs and lows through the great joys and the great trials you are good all the time you are good we pray for our children and our, our source team leaders as they go downstairs right now God we pray that they would know your goodness bless them we pray we're going to sing a song as our children go downstairs we're going to sing a song called blessed be your name we're a song which just carries on singing of the goodness of God through the highs and lows through the trials and the triumphs, blessed be your name. Give and take 
just in this moment just let's fix our eyes on the king the one who is worthy in every circumstance in every emotion we love you Fix our eyes afresh on you and we say we love you, Lord. There's no other name but yours, no other name higher or greater. We love you, Lord. Even in the trials, we choose to fix our eyes on you. We love you. Even in the highs of the sunshine coming out, we love you, Lord. Even when our souls don't come alive in worship, we choose to say we love you, Lord. You've been so, so good to me. You've been so, so good to us. We love you.
I think there's a real sense of <clears throat> God's spirit moving in this room. A number of people have come forward and some of those words will be shared later on. Or, um, but uh, even as we were praying before this meeting, I, I was reminded of a, a little snippet in Jesus' life where he's just come down from the mountain and he's left his disciples down there and they've been trying to pray for this little boy who's been throwing himself into the fire. And uh, the, the, the boy's father is obviously so distressed that they, the disciples have prayed, but nothing had happened. And uh, the father then comes to Jesus and cries out for mercy for his son, um, for healing. And uh, Jesus says this, everything is possible for one who believes. And then it goes on with a really strange verse. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I think that there's just, this is a pause moment, an opportunity to come before God and maybe deal with a few things in our lives. Now, there may be that you're, you know, the Holy Spirit is saying to you, actually, you need to deal with some sin in your life. Yeah, it's holding you back. I want to do so much more, but actually you need to repent and turn to me. It may be that you're just struggling with, you know, like Chris, with, with you know, a heavy cloud. And you're just crying out to God and you haven't seen anything happening yet. But now, just come and seek him and want afresh. Now, I think I just want to pray uh, now that we would each draw closer to God and know the leading of his spirit this morning. We do not come, Lord, to an idol, a lump of wood, something crafted by man. We come to the living God, the creator of the heavens and of the earth and of each one of us. We come to the one who died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin and the one who has poured out his spirit upon us. And Lord, I just pray that we, in our lives, we would... Look to have a moment-by-moment -moment relationship with you. Not a, a once a week or maybe once a day, but actually moment-by-moment moment, we would be listening to the leading of your spirit. We would know an increase of faith in our lives that just trusts in you, knowing that you are with us in everything, that you can heal us, you can restore us. And Lord, I just pray that where we have uh, gone the way of the world, we've let sin entangle us. Lord, help us to deal with that before you this morning, to repent, to turn around, to come back to you. Lord, so many people, so many lives, and I just, I thank you that you know each one of us. I pray, Lord, come Holy Spirit, come and touch individual lives, come and bring change, come and bring healing. Help our unbelief, Lord. Help us to trust you completely, that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us, Lord. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. Help us, Lord. We are weak, but you are strong. Help us to trust you. Amen. Hi, I'm, I'm Emma. I'm married to Andrew. Um, 
we're going to pray now. Psalm 141, verse 1 says, O Lord, I call to you, come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. So we have the opportunity to pray now. We're going to pray right across the room. We're going to offer up our prayers. We're not bringing a shopping list um, because when you go shopping, you expect to come home with things that are on your list. Our prayers are offerings. We offer them to Father God and we trust him with them. No prayers too big or too small. No prayers too ordinary or too outrageous. We offer them up to our loving Heavenly Father and trust him. So we're going to turn to the person um, next to us to pray with us. Um, if you'd rather not, just bear with us for a few minutes. You don't need to talk about what you want to pray about. Just pray. Pray about what's on your heart. It might be close to home and personal or something further afield in Alton, in our nation or in the world. Just pray about what God puts on your heart. If you really don't have any ideas, you can pray for our women's retreat, which is happening next weekend, for the women who will be there to feel encouraged, strengthened, and renewed. So we've got three minutes. Um, I'm going to sit down and pray too, and then Helen's going to come up um, and carry on. Thank you. If you could uh, bring your prayers to a close. 
What a special time we've had together. Uh, thank you for everyone who's taken part so far, whether you've come forward or whether you've just kind of engaged with God um, you know, out there in where you're sitting. It's been brilliant. Right, complete change of tack now. Commission. Thank you to Tom, who um, set up a tent. He's not in there. I don't think anyone's in there, but you never know. So, Commission Festival. Give me a wave if you know what Commission Festival is. Quite a few of you. Right, I'm going to show you some things in this bag that you will only see at Commission for me. Okay? Oh, my pyjamas. You will see me walking around the site in my pyjamas at Commission. There you go. And pretty much everyone. Give us a wave if you've worn your pyjamas out on site at Commission. There you go. Okay. You will also see lots of people playing things like Dobble. Wave if you like Dobble, if you know what it's about. Yeah, lots of young people. And Uno, there's always some very competitive games going on. And finally, this is something you need. You will need a torch because it gets dark. Okay, so Commission Festival. Um, Commission is the family of churches that we belong to. And um, we have a camp. It's the first one that's called Commission. It was called something else. For a while, we used to meet at a place called West Point in Exeter, but now we've moved to the uh, Bath and West Showground, which isn't that far away, and that's where the festival will be taking place this year. It's held at the August bank holiday weekend. Uh, details on the tent. Starts on a Thursday, so it's a bit kind of out of the um, weekend. Starts on a Thursday evening. People gather on a Thursday during the day. First meeting Thursday evening, and then the last meeting is Sunday night, and everyone goes home Monday morning. So that's kind of how it goes. Schools go back the week after, so if you're thinking children or going back to work like me, you have got a little bit of time between the um, end of West Point and going back to school. Commission Festival, what did I say? West Point, okay, every time you West Point, um, yeah, shout, shout Commission, here we go. Um, so there is a you have to pay for it, obviously. There is a price break coming up. Um, I was trying to find, where's Karen or anyone who knows? Price break, is it the end of the month? Okay, that's a bit complicated for my mind. So to pay in instalments, you have to have signed up by today. Otherwise, you have to pay in one full whack. But there is a, the next price break, the end of April. Okay, so there's no 10th of April. There's no change in the price till the 10th of April, but you can only pay in instalments up till today, okay, to break up your payments. So a little taste of what goes on. Each day starts with uh, kids' work and meetings for adults. Uh, afternoons, there are sem lots of seminars on different subjects and fun activities, sports, or you can just do nothing, relax, chill, read a book, sleep, whatever you fancy. Um, obviously, you can take part in as much as you like or as little as you like. We just go to be together as a family of us, ourselves, Harvest Church, but also to meet with other families, um, other churches from the family of Commission. For a small cost, you can be part of a cooking cooperative. Okay, That means that you can camp on site, you can stay in a caravan on site, or you can stay off-site in a B&B, hotel, whatever you choose. If you're off-site, you can still be part of the cooking cooperative. So you, if you're staying on-site or off-site, you don't actually need any cooking things. Okay, 
you can just have somewhere to sleep and join in with food with everybody else. So here's the what would you rather question. Just a little heads up for the people in charge of the cooking cooperative breakfast. Would you rather have bagels or donuts for breakfast? Hands up for bagels. Hands up for donuts. That goes to the bagels, I think. Okay, so, Panjan? Bacon, yeah. Bacon. <laughs> so, it's a great opportunity uh, to be together for those few days, getting to know each other better. There's great worship, great teaching, inspiring and encouraging speakers from the Commission family, but also around the world. We get to connect with our Commission family, both in the UK and abroad, and we get the chance to make memories as our own individual families, but also as a, a, a church family. There is a photo, I think it's still up, yes, on the board over there. That was us at West Point not Commissioner Festival, four years ago. So we need a new photo, if nothing else, to go on the board. So please think about signing up. There are some flyers that look like this, and all the details are on the tent. And, yeah, please just come and ask if you need to know any more details. That's it. Sarah, do you think you could put up Angie's first slide, please, and then I'll over to Angie. I'll move my pyjamas. showing that. I uh, wonder what you made of that. That was uh, in case you aren't aware, because of course we all knew what that was, don't we? That was a, a clip from a, a famous concert happened in London Docklands in 1988 by the French musician Jean-Michel Jarre. 
and his theme was revolution. And he was trying to take hold of the concept of all the different revolutions which were taking place in the world and had been taking place. And uh, I must admit, I was there. I enjoyed that concert. It was great. Uh, the, um, the theme, though, revolution, has always struck my heart. When you hear that phrase, revolution, I wonder what you think of. Maybe you think of the French Revolution, the great revolutions of the world, which have taken place over the years. But the reality is, we live in a world which is going through revolution, and it's speeding up. And so those words which I, uh, Tom very kindly put together for me on the PowerPoint, all these different words, we live in an age of revolution, of increasingly quick revolution, of things changing and changing and changing again. And my question for you this morning is why? Why, are, is, why is this happening? Why do we keep on going through these revelations? Why does change keep on happening and keep taking place? Why does it... Um, oh, come back to that in a moment. Uh, why is it happening? And I'd like to suggest an answer. Mankind is continually looking for something with which to redefine life. That is a life without God, a cause, a worldview, ultimately an identity, something which can fill that gap in our lives, that God-given, God-made gap for God with something else. Yet as each attempt fails, fails to deliver, and shows the enormous problem of the state of the human heart, we rush on to something else, to something new. And every change takes us further from a biblical worldview as mankind looks to define themselves or others to remove that sense of guilt, that sense of shame, which we can't deal with without acknowledging God's existence. If you're uh, under 20 in this room today, if you come with that category of youth, I'm looking over here because I know there's a bunch of them over there, but maybe others in the room. Can I say this to you? You are living... Yeah, sorry, Nadia, I wasn't actually referring to you, but nice try. <laughs> I was talking about Tim, obviously, but, you know. <laughs> Can I say this? Guys, girls, you are living in one of the most confusing and challenging eras of the last century and possibly of the last millennium, the last thousand years. It is more challenging and changing because there is so much thought out there and mankind in its ability to communicate has created so many medium through which to communicate. You are now bombarded, literally, uh, as quickly as those words were coming up on the screen, you're being bombarded with these thoughts. And actually that's happening for all of us. It's just for the youth of today, the challenge is that much greater because they haven't yet had life experience to process some of what's going on, to think it through, to be able to go, oh, wow, look, yeah, see this, see that, see the other. 
Guys, we need to be looking out for our youth. We need to be praying for our youth. We need to help them to process this world in which they're in today. As we do actually for each other too. So, where do we turn? What do we do to understand what's going on? Well, we need to turn back to the scriptures. If you have a Bible, you may want to turn to John chapter 17. You may remember Nathan actually preached from this passage only a few weeks ago. We're going back to it for a reason. There is so much richness here. We want to mine it again. So we're going to read it together. But I'm going to comment as we read it. So uh, this is Jesus. He's praying to his Father in heaven. Okay, it's part of a great big prayer where he prays for himself. He prays for the disciples. This is a part of that section where he's praying for disciples. By the way, that means he's praying for us too. Okay, so if you're a follower of Jesus, if Jesus is your Savior and Lord today, then this prayer is relevant to you today. No matter what your age, whether you've been a, uh, a Christian, somebody who put Christ first uh, yesterday or even today or 50, 60, 70 years ago, this prayer is still relevant for each one of us. Jesus says this, I'm coming to you now. He's talking to his Father in heaven. But I say these things while I'm still in the world so they may have the full measure of joy within them. Can I just remind us? The gospel is a gospel which results in joy. I think sometimes we forget that. We go looking for joy and contentment elsewhere when it's staring us right in the face. Here and now, if you don't know contentment and joy, you can in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to bring joy to mankind. Joy which results from a relationship restored with Almighty God. And he is the only way you can do that. Let's move on. Uh, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they're not of the world any more than I am of the world. If you're a follower of Jesus, understand this. You are hated by the world. That's not very nice, Andrew. No, it's not, is it? Are you sure? I mean, can't we, can't we be friends with the world? The world hates followers of Jesus. Wake up call time. We need to understand that. Because we're different. We will be targeted as a follower of Jesus. If you put Jesus first, you will be targeted by the world because of your faith. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Oh, why not? My prayer is, please take me out of this. If I'm going to be hated, if it's going to be tough. But, you know, <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you ever tempted to go, oh, please God, take me out of this? But that's not Jesus' prayer for us. <laughs> but that you protect them. His our Father in heaven protects them from the evil one. Can I remind us, the evil one prowls around looking for those he can destroy. We need that prayer protection of Jesus. We need to watch out for ourselves, our lives. We need to pray, deliver us from evil. That's part of the Lord's prayer. Deliver us from evil. Deliver us from, and we need to flee temptation. Because why? Because we're in a battle here. 
Uh, uh, They are not of the world. Hey, we're not meant to be of this world. Even as I am not of it. Uh, If you're not going to be of this world, that means we've got choices to make, friends. There's a choice. Am I going to be of this world or not? Jesus calls us not to be. And he says this, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You may say, what does the word sanctify mean? It means to be made holy. It's that process, that ongoing process. We're saved by the grace of God. That means we're cleansed of all of our sin, our shame, our filth, our dirt. But there is an ongoing process where God continues to make us holy. That means he works on us and works in our hearts and lives. How's that happen? One way is by the truth. We need to be a people of the truth of God. If we're, not, if we're not engaged with the word of God, the truth of God, if we're not using it well, we are going to struggle to live lives given over to God's glory. We're going to be missing out on a massive key. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. There's no debate there. The world, which we're at, at odds with, wants to tell us that, hey, no, no, no the word isn't truth. It's, it's some truth. It's, it's relative truth. No, no, it's absolute truth. Next verse. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We're going to come back to that later on, but let's remember that actually this isn't just about me and my relationship with Jesus we're saved for a purpose, so yes, to bring glory to God, yes, to know God, yes, to relate to him, but also to help others come to know him. Let's remind ourselves that we are sent into the world. We are commissioned to be in the world to bring the truth of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God to the world around us. For them, I sanctify myself that they may be truly sanctified. Isn't that amazing? Jesus Jesus, sanctifies him. He's, he's holy. He's holy for us. Why? So we can be holy. He does everything we need to make us holy. We don't have to do anything other than receive. Through the grace of God, through the love of God, we receive his mercy. And we're made clean and whole. And shame is dealt with once and forever. So I want to ask three questions or suggest three priorities from this passage. The first one's this, the word. They all begin with W. Hopefully really easy to remember. The word. Well, we've already read about it. The word sanctifies us. The word makes us holy. It reveals something of God to us. Helps us to understand who he is, to be drawn to him, to know him. But it also equips us and enables us to live for God. Do you know, friends, there are so many opinions in the world today. You could Google any word now, any word of which you, know, you want to understand something. I Googled Gnosticism this morning. That may not be a word you know. We may come back to that in a bit later. I, th- I can't remember how many hits, 198 million or something. Uh, you know, it's just like, and you can find thousands upon thousands of opinions. We live in a world where communication is now so over the top. There's so much information out there. We can find whatever we want. 
We can find a view to match our view and opinion. But friends, can we please, instead of that, be shaped by the word of God? That's where we find our sanctification. That's, that's where we find truth which makes us holy, who helps us to live holy lives, lives pleasing to God. We, as elders, appreciate there are loads of voices and opinions in the world today, loads of Christian teachers teaching all sorts of different things with all sorts of different views on the same subject. Can I just say this to you? Because sometimes people ask us this question. I say, well, how do you know you got it right? We don't. But what we do do is we live before God knowing that actually as preachers in this church, we are, and preachers wherever, actually will be judged more severely by God for what we teach. We handle the word well. So we try to always be in the word when we're preaching. We try to hear what the word has to say and understand how it applies to life today. We study anything which we feel is contentious because we need to understand what the different views and opinions are. But we're not going to be able to teach all those different views and opinions. We believe we come to a place of truth. Sometimes we end up debating it amongst us as elders before we teach it to make sure we've actually engaged with the word fully and given time to it. Friends, we don't, we, well, please understand, we're not casual when we preach on a Sunday morning. We look at Orthodox Christianity, at our forefathers, of what they've taught over years and even over centuries to understand what evangelical uh, thought is on things. We do look at the, the new thoughts of the day and think, is that right? We weigh them, we measure them. Please understand when we teach on a Sunday, it's not just a random thought for the day. It's done with prayer and thought. The reason I say this is because we all need to handle the word in the same way. Actually, we all need to engage with the word. Now, we may not all have the ability to study Greek, and my Greek is uh, close to appalling, I have to say. I, I have enough to be dangerous and yet not enough to be accurate. Just being real. Yeah, I don't know how your New Testament Greek is. My Hebrew is even worse. But so you go and find trusted sources to help you understand things. People with proven track records. Where the word isn't clear, we are happy to acknowledge that. Where there's different opinions and those opinions are weighty opinions, we will acknowledge that. But please also understand where that's not the case. We're not going to spend lots of time teaching things which we believe to be wrong. Because the truth is important. The truth is where we get drawn into God, where we learn of God. Can I encourage us, let's be a people of the truth. Let's be a people who give ourselves to the word, who study it, who research it, who go to good sources to understand it and to engage with it. But please hear this, let's not play God with the word. The word exists for us to get to know God. Let's come under it. Let's let it shape us. Let's let it mold us. Let's learn to handle it with proper care and proper consideration. Friends, the word will draw us to God. The word reveals God. In fact, Jesus 
came as the word. It's one of the words he used, how to describe himself. The way the truth, the word of God embodied on earth. Let's get to know the word. Let's let it shape us. Let's let it define our lives. let's Let's let it help us to walk more closely with him. The second priority I want to give us is this. It begins with W again, funnily enough. The war. I want us to see the big picture here. We are in a war. You may not like that expression. You may think, what do you mean we're in a war? We are in a battle till the end of time that may be either the end of our time on earth until we go to be with glory or until Jesus returns because he is going to return one day and some people will be around at that point to meet him, which is just amazing. That's why we put that in our marriage vows. Yeah, our marriage vows are until the end of our lives or Jesus returns. Why? Because we believe in the returning of Jesus, because we know he's coming back, because his word reveals he's coming back. But understand this, the world until that point is in a war. And as believers, we are in a battle. And that our values, the things we hold dearly, the things we find in scripture, compassion, mercy, humility, thankfulness, grace, acceptance, unconditional love, and a whole load of other things are countered by the world who has a different set of values. This is why we need to be in the truth. This is why we need the word of God. This is why we need the truth of God because we aren't going to be able to battle, we aren't going to be able to fight this battle if we don't have the word, if we don't understand the truth. We need to know, speak, and live the truth of God. I want to encourage us, let's be aware of what the world is up to. Let's be aware of the current revolution, whether it's wokeness or whichever one of the lots of different types of thinking which is out there, which wants to persuade us to engage with uh, a a set of thinking and a set of behavior which stops us from engaging with the truth. Let's spot it and choose to engage with the truth. It's a battle. There's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for your mind going on even this morning, even right now. Now, and you have a choice. Each of us has a choice. Will I engage in this battle or will I let, or will I give in? Will I fight it or will I give in? Will I fight it with the truth? Will I engage with the truth or will I just let the world take over? Remember, Satan is like a prowling lion looking for those who can devour, devour, destroy. Which one's it going to be? Friends, we're at war. Let's fight. How do we do this? Well, we don't compromise on truth in its fullness. That's the first thing. We don't compromise on truth. We understand that we're made in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before, somebody read that passage from Psalm 139. We understand that life is full of challenges, that uh, prayer isn't a shopping list, that relationship with God is just that relationship, 
not some sort of contractual uh, uh, thing where you know, we do the right things and God does the right things, therefore we can control God. No, God is God. He's almighty God. We understand these things and we live them out. We understand that for each of us, life will present challenges. And that actually in those challenges, we will have an opportunity to draw closer to God or to rebel against God. And we have to make choices. And those may be physical health challenges. They may be emotional health challenges. They may be mental health challenges. They may be challenges with our family, with our friends, in relationships. They can be all sorts of things. Friends, don't let them take you away from God. Let them cause you to get closer to God. Let them cause you to go, oh, oh, that hurts. Where can I find peace? Where can I find uh, 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 help? Where can I find that soothing comfort? Well, I can, of course, I can choose to go into what the world offers and say, oh, a bit of retail therapy does you good. I can choose to do a whole load of things. I can choose to adopt those things. Or I can choose to get closer to our Father in heaven who loves us, who draws us to him. Truth creates freedom to make choices. If we aren't in the truth, we don't understand the freedom and the choices we have. And we can feel pushed by our circumstances into a set of behavior and action. What choices are you going to make today? What truth have you got hold of in your life? What's the battle going on? Is there a battle or is it all, 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 all happened? You've given in. Some of us will be sitting here today thinking, yeah, I, I hate to admit it, I've given in. I've given in on these things. I've just said, I'll, I'll engage with the way the world says it. I can't battle that. I don't want to battle it. I don't understand it. This morning... God is about a business of restoring, of restoration, of bringing us back closer to him. We have some choices to make today. And so we need to engage with truth, but we also therefore have to challenge the lies. Lies such as, for example, this is a common one, my sexuality has to be expressed through physical activity, through sexual intercourse. That's a lie. Jesus wasn't. Did Jesus fulfill his sexuality through physical intercourse? Paul wasn't. He wasn't married. There's a lie out there which says, well, I'm, I'm not whole unless I have some form of sexual activity. That may be masturbation, solo sex, or whatever you want to call it. It may be sex with somebody else of the same sex or somebody of the other sex. Outside of marriage, there is no biblical expression uh, of a, a physical expression of sexuality. Marriage being one man, one woman in a monogamous relationship. That is an exclusive relationship. There isn't anything else. There is, though, in the Bible, singleness. That is another expression for how man lives. And for some people, we're called to singleness. For some, our circumstances may take us into singleness. And you know, if Jesus could be single until the point he died, I reckon then that any of us can be. We don't have to have sexual activity in order to uh, be fulfilled. But the lie is you do. 
So what's it going to be? Are we going to believe the lie or are we going to believe the truth? Well, we only will know the truth if we go and find what the scriptures have to say and how the scriptures reveal. It's a battle. What's the battle? What's, who's going to win the battle? Truth or lies? I found Chris's word this morning so encouraging. John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Didn't we want to go, yes, amen, preach it, brother. But take heart, Jesus says, I've overcome the world. What's it going to be? Are we going to believe that truth? I'm realizing I'm getting rather passionate about this and uh, we're running out of time fast. Um, Karen, could I ask you, sorry, to go downstairs and just warn the guys we're going to be at least five minutes overrun. Please give my apologies. The way, the final one of these three points. Okay, so we've got the word. We need to be engaged with the word. There's a war, there's a battle we need to recognize. And then there's a choice, the way. Jesus called himself the way, the truth, and the life. What's it mean to follow the way? What's it mean to give ourselves over to the way of Jesus and his cross? And I want to suggest a number of things. And these may be a revolution for you in your life today. One or more of them may involve a revolution, a sense of deep, profound change. So here we go, four things. The first thing we need to do is we need to recognize the place we're in. We need to recognize the situation we're in. We need to recognize and understand our own brokenness, first and foremost. Because it's too easy to judge others whilst not recognizing our own brokenness. How we've adopted the world's ways and values how we've judged others, how we've considered ourselves better, how we've found our identity outside of God, how we've found our identity in not being like them, whoever they are. Because we, in our judgment, have decided by being not like them, we will be perhaps better. We need to recognize how broken we are and how broken our world is. If we don't recognize that, if we don't start by recognizing that, we'll never want to take the next steps. For some of us today, God is starting to break our heart for the state of the world we live in. And don't be frightened by that. See it and engage with it. And let it then cause you to move on to repentance. It's very difficult to repent of something unless we've really, first of all, engaged with it. But we're a people called to repentance, a genuine turning away from wrong beliefs and wrong practices, a change of mindset, a change of heart, a change of lifestyle. You know, repentance isn't just going, oh, well, that was a bit wrong. It's, you know, it's okay, it's just a bit wrong. Repentance is if you're walking in this direction, it's a 180 degree turn. It's saying that way was wrong. That way of thinking was wrong. That practice was wrong. I've 
I need to turn away from it. It's turning your back to it and choosing to walk in a different direction. Choosing to walk in light instead of darkness. Choosing to walk in truth instead of lies. Choosing to walk for the glory of God rather than the glory of self and my agenda. When we genuinely repent, then we're restored. We're restored to a proper relationship with God. We're restored to a place of grace. We're restored to enjoying the mercy of God, to knowing contentment and fulfillment. To knowing forgiveness. But that also means that condemnation has no place then in our lives. The tool the enemy wants to use to squash Christians. There are people in this room today, you live with a perpetual state of condemnation. I've always feel, oh, I'm never good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Friends, learn this. You aren't. You never will be. And you can never make yourself good enough by your own efforts. But you can receive God's grace where he says you're good enough. And if he says you're good enough, then you are. And there's no debate about it because that's about truth. And there's a final R, and it's this. It's re-empowerment. You know, often when we get things wrong, we then feel disempowered. We feel, oh, well, I'm no good. I'm rubbish. I'm rotten. And the reality is, though, God doesn't stop with repentance and, and restoration, he re-empowers us with his Holy Spirit. He pours his grace onto our lives and says, you can live differently. Now receive. Receive grace. Receive my Holy Spirit. Receive the comfort of God. Receive the mercy of God. Enjoy the love of God. Restoration results in a sense of re-empowerment. I can go back into the battle and I can fight it for God's glory again. And even if I get it wrong later on, even if something goes wrong and I fall into sin, that's okay because God will forgive me again. Not because we're into some sort of weird, easy grace where, or liberalism where we can go, oh, it doesn't matter therefore what we do. No, we try to live for the glory of God. But we know we will get things wrong and when we do, we know there's grace again in God and we can be restored we started with a revolution the world is in a constant state of revolution of changing thoughts of changing practices of changing ways of doing it of pushing different views because why in man's rebellion against God, man is trying to find a different way of finding identity, of finding worth, of finding value, of trying to make sense of a world which without God makes no sense. Friends, we need a revolution. We need that revolution of the heart and the mind and the soul. We need that revolution of his word bearing fruit in our lives, of giving his word great authority in our lives. Such that we 
can pursue his way and bring him glory. Seeing his battles won. And so I want to invite you this morning, if you are in that place where you're thinking, yeah, got a bit messed up along the way. The battle's got a bit nasty. I've lost my way a bit. I've bought into some things. I I think I want to buy into them, actually, after all. The way of the world. This is an opportunity to do a reset. Say, Father, I want to come back to you. I want to come back to you. I want to know your grace and mercy. I want to live for your glory. So I want to invite us all, let's stand. And let's pray. And I'm not actually going to pray. So I want to encourage you to talk to your Heavenly Father who loves to hear your voice. Tell him where you're at. And if you need to repent, to recognize where things have gone wrong, then repent. Know you can do that now. And know that he'll restore and re-empower. So Father, I ask, help us to engage with you now. that we would give ourselves wholly and fully to your way. be a a revolution in our hearts that you truly Lord would be the king over our lives that your word would shape us and guide our lives that we would live for your glory and honour Fighting the battle you've called us to. To see your kingdom come. To see your will be done. In each of our lives. And on this earth. And throughout this earth. Because of your great love for us. In Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. If this morning has stirred some things in your heart and you need prayer, you want somebody to come alongside you to help you work through some things, can I encourage you, please do not leave here without getting that. There will be folks available at the front. If you want to come and find one of the leaders, you're welcome to do so. But why not ask the person you're with, if you've come with somebody or somebody you trust, it could be your life, somebody in your life group, 
somebody in your community setting, uh, a friend. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be people at the front, but if you want somebody to pray with you, head to the front, and we are happy to do so too. God bless you. Thank you for being out this morning. It's been good to be together. wasn't sure whether Nathan was telling you you were dismissed or not. Not Nathan, Andrew. Um, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you to everyone who's been involved, uh, PA, worship band, everyone who's given uh, contributions. Uh, just to remind you that um, we have tea and coffee uh, being served in the cafe. Don't forget to collect your children from downstairs. And also, if you've been given a welcome pack this morning... Um, please fill in the little card, connect card inside this and pop it in the offering box over there or to someone in the um, purple tops. I um, can't remember what the T-shirts are. Are they still yellow, the T-shirts? Yeah, I think they are. And the welcome team. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. And please do accept that invitation to, to pray. Um, yeah, have, a, have a good rest of the day.